Hey, pull up a chair. We're so glad to have you join us here on the Back Porch Education Podcast. For the next half hour or so, we're going to talk about all things educational. It's a wonderful day to learn something. Glad you could join us. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Steve Elliott, and I'm coming to you as an educator excited about the future of education having been in it for almost 30 years and having been in a kindergarten through 12th grade classroom at some point in that career, I'm excited to talk with you and with my fellow gadfly, Jason, about the future of education. Jason, good to be with you, sir. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to join with you in this process. I'm not sure where we're coming from or where we're going, but man, It's always good to talk with you about education and the issues that are surrounding that. And uh, so I'm I'm ready to get started. I guess a little bit about me. Uh, I taught for five years at a small private school, but um, I've transitioned out of that and I'm now homeschooling my daughter. So educational issues are at the forefront of my mind uh, a lot of days of the week. So we'll see what happens. Well, I think we're starting off in our usual fashion, an odd way, by putting in our listeners' ears a poem. Jason, what'd you bring for us today? Steve, I've got uh, W.H. Auden has a wonderful poem uh, entitled The Unknown Citizen, and I think it will serve as a nice little backdrop for our conversation about the future of education um, and how we have some big decisions as educators, as parents, as a nation um, coming at us pretty quickly here. So without further ado, let's uh, listen to how Auden deals with, with some of these things. The Unknown Citizen. To JS slash 07 M378. This marble monument is erected by the state. He was found by the Bureau of Statistics to be one against whom there was no official complaint, and all the reports on his conduct agree that in the modern sense of an old-fashioned word, he was a saint, for in everything he did he served the greater community. Except for the war, until the day he retired, he worked in a factory and never got fired but satisfied his employers, Fudge Motors, Inc. Yet he wasn't a scab or odd in his views, for his union reports that he paid his dues. Our report on this union shows it was sound. And our social psychology workers found that he was popular with his mates and liked a drink. The press are convinced that he bought a paper every day and that his reactions to advertisements were normal in every way. Policies taken out in his name Prove that he was fully insured, and his health card shows he was once in hospital but left it cured. Both producers' research and high-grade living declare he was fully sensible to the advantages of the installment plan and had everything necessary to the modern man, a phonograph, a radio, a car, and a Frigidaire. Our researchers into public opinion are content that he held the proper opinions for the time of year. When there was peace, he was for peace. When there was war, 
he went. He was married and added five children to the population, which our eugenist says was the right number for a parent of his generation. And our teachers report that he never interfered with their education. Was he, ha was he free? Was he happy? The question is absurd. Had anything been wrong, we should certainly have heard. So that was The Unknown Citizen by W.H. Auden. And I think it's a great way to start this conversation about the future of education because latent in that poem, we see some fears, I think legitimate fears about uh, increasing technology and a growing state and how that might um, impede or even make obsolete our freedom. So we should acknowledge that. Acknowledge it and recognize that it's the world in which we live. Uh, one of the things that my students, when we work through this poem, comment on on a regular basis is, well, I get what he's afraid of, but there's no escaping the Leviathan. There's no escaping this, right. this machinery that is our modern life. We can't go back to our great-grandparents' day and live the quote-unquote simple life, which was highly complex, but just it's gone. This is what we have. And, and I'm afraid that many in education today feel a despair, especially if they've been in education for a while and seen the changes occurring. Uh, maybe I'm going to get outdated. Maybe I'm going to be outmoded. Maybe I'm going to be left behind. And I don't think that that's, that's necessary. The fear here is real, but the hope that we as humans can adjust ourselves better than a machine can be adjusted or improved or sped up. Um, I, I think that's worth discussion. I think, in fact, the first topic that we're going to kind of wrestle with a little bit is this issue of, in particular, uh, electronic technology that, that in our day and time we have cell phones and iPads and laptops and uh, big screen TVs and, and, and all kinds of stuff that, that if you've stepped into the classroom my first year of teaching, my technology was a box of chalk. And uh, I've, I've kind of come along for the ride. It was several years into my teaching before I owned a, a computer. And uh, in fact, when I finally got one, it was given to me by a, a, a dear doctor friend who just was amazed that I was teaching without the use of a computer. And uh, I said, well, I appreciate the gift. Wow. I'm sure it will help. But um, my mom taught 50 years without a, without a computer somehow. So, um, uh, I mean, I don't know how much we need to develop the fear. I think all of our listeners probably have felt it. Um, it, it you're almost uh, drowned in the number of apps. And uh, if you're homeschooling and you go online and you start looking for help, it's not that you can't find any, it's that you find too much. Uh, of course, all of them want their, want their nickel, dime, or dollar right. to, to help you, but, but good grief, you spread it all out on the table or, or, or try and fit it all on your computer desktop, and it, it, it's just amazing. Uh, as information becomes so readily available, 
Um, I think that's one of the exciting things about the technology age is that it's all there. You're not dependent upon some teacher to tell it to you. You as a student can go find it out. Right. Um, this this sort of old go to the classroom to get information is is changing. And I think that that's one of the exciting aspects of education. I agree. I think, um, you know, so my all five years of, of teaching, my rule uh, for the classroom and my students can tell you uh, this, that it was tough for them, but they learned to deal with it. We all learned to deal with it. Um, my rule was no pixels for any reason ever. Um, I just thought that, you know, it wasn't something that we needed. Um, and so I, I didn't want to use it. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering how long that's going to last. I think that there will always be room uh, for a teacher who teaches wonderfully. And so I don't think that technology is necessary for education. I don't think any uh, good educator would argue that. But what we're talking about is really what's so exciting is we have these opportunities to extend the abilities, not only of teachers, but also of students. Um, so this has been changing for me with, um, with my daughter you know, she turned three around Christmas and she got a ballerina outfit for Christmas. And so she says, dad, I want to be a ballerina. And, you know, I have a couple options. I can take her down to some place and try and find a place that will teach her dance. And I think that's a good option. Um, but until we can find something like that, uh, YouTube's right there. And all of a sudden I can type in, you know, how to be a ballerina. And there are good teachers putting out solid content and teaching, you know, fairly complicated things. Uh, and that would not be available to me otherwise. So it's really fantastic. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned YouTube. That in particular certainly has a lot of very practical teaching on it. My sons did not pay attention and did not listen and did not follow um, my, my attempt to teach them how to tie a tie. And they get off to college and are expected to dress up for some event, including a tie. And so afterwards I say, well, I, I, did you learn how to tie a tie? What, what, what happened? How did you get through it? And their, their consistent response is, well, I just looked it up on YouTube and followed that. That's right. YouTube Which, taught me the double. Uh, we're back to Auden. <laughs> we're back to Auden a little bit. Dad's wondering, well, why did I even waste my time? Just, just give them a YouTube video and they're fun. But um, it, it is amazing how the, the, the go-to place these days is not, uh, it, it, it's online. When my students have a, a question, their first action is to Google it or to, to search for it on YouTube or, or even to, to, to text someone rather than the old days of going to find an expert in a room somewhere and ask them a question. 
um, that the, the whole world is at their fingertips in that regard. The the stone tablets that uh, you know with wax tablets of the Greeks have been replaced by these amazing tablets, uh, iPads that we're that we're using today. And I teach at a school right now that's got every student has an iPad. Teachers are expected to make full use of that. We've pretty much moved away from. Uh, I, I, I'm not a big fan of textbooks to begin with, but if we're going to have them, it's sure a lot nicer to have them electronically than in paper because, uh, if nothing else, the, the scoliosis that's not coming about, um, they're, right. they're a lot lighter in electronic form. But um, I, what, what excites me to some extent is that I believe one of the things that uh, captivated and, 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 and entrapped education in the last hundred years or so was the, the change in the end of education away from uh, pretty much before 1850. If you looked up any book anywhere on education and asked it the basic question, what is education, you would have gotten a pretty consistent answer that it had to do with the, with the cultivation of wisdom and virtue, that, that growing up to be a good person was what education was intended to do. Right. And then... The Industrial Revolution had a real impact. Suddenly, school was a place where I could learn the information I needed to make a good living. And it sort of, rather than to live well, to to, to live wealthily. And um, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that that, that notion of knowledge transfer right. has kind of been taken back from, from teachers who for too long defined their role as giving out information. Uh, that's kind of been stolen from them. Um, the student can get his information a whole lot faster through Google. And, and in, I hate to say this, but in many cases, probably more authoritative and uh, varied information, more solid information than than dear right. Mr. So-and-so in the classroom, yes. uh, who yeah. might very well be an expert in his field, but is not an expert in every field. And that's the problem with the Google guy is he knows everything. Uh, you still have to teach them. You have to move from teaching them the information to how to find good information. And that right. that's an exciting change to me, to, to, to be focused on building a good learner or good, a good student rather than making sure we get all the, the notes in, uh, which was the plague of my school experience. I felt like, you know, and sure enough, I'm sure if I – looked real hard i'd find some notes maybe from college or something but i have no idea where they are i've never referenced them since then and uh, uh i'm not sure exactly what good they did me or in particular what good they would do me if i pushed them up today because there's there's better uh more qualified information out on the internet these days than anything i probably got in college right and and i think steve that's um really the the part that causes a lot of trepidation for uh, teachers and for educators and a lot of, um, man, just butterflies. It's exciting, but it's, it's scary too, to think about, you know, I've as a teacher dispensed information, but now all of a sudden the information is available. So what am I here for? You know, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a scary question, partially, I guess, because it, um, 
ends with four. But other than that, I mean, why am I here? What am I doing if, if it's not giving out information because I'm really comfortable just giving it out, dispensing the information at the rate that the students can take it in and collecting a paycheck? Well, now all of a sudden, that's not good enough anymore, um, or at least it won't be good enough anymore pretty soon. Man, well, you know, we've, we've got to kind of shift gears. And, and I, I agree, I think it's like you were saying, it's almost a reversion in some ways, shifting gears back, if I can mix my metaphors, um, to a time before uh, when teaching was just dispensing the information that I needed so that I could make enough coin to live well or, or to live healthily and safely. You know, um, I think it, it's a, it's a good question. This idea of really what's a teacher for? Yeah. You want to take a stab at it? Yeah. Well, so we've identified the fact that maybe what the, maybe the crutch of you know my mother remembers the baby boomers hitting school and going from a manageable 15 to 20 in her classroom to over 30 in one year wow because there were just all these kids born and the pressure that that put on education when that happened was immense hmm. suddenly teachers who had been able to individuate their instruction take their time and 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 make sure that the students were strong. We're not just trying to, you know, the, the word classroom management came into being, I think at that point. And it was, right, yeah. what, what am I going to do with 30 first graders uh, and all their energy and all their lack of attention? What am I going to do? And so, so we started having busy work and we started having worksheets and we started having uh, learning stations and all this stuff that isn't this. I'm, I'm not, disrespecting any of that i'm just saying that that what caused that to come about and what brought with it how, how are we going to know that we're accomplishing anything with this large group of people then the efficiency experts came along and showed us well just like in the factory we we can we can see the the counts there's a, there's got to be a way to produce data that shows us whether we're being good teachers or not and that's that's when it all seemed to to change for a teacher from well we know you're a good teacher because your students are good students to we know you're a good teacher because your test scores are going up and that right. you know the the standardized testing world focuses on about all you can put on a paper test especially a multiple choice test is is information right uh, it's really hard to, to put a piece of paper in front of somebody and find out about their character. I, I know that there's essay tests and I know that there are a short answer and so on that, that, that can reveal the character of the student, but it's much harder and it's much less efficient. And so here we are in a, in a world of efficiency and the attempt to, to really structure schools after factories. And I think what we're seeing is, is, is like you said, sort of a regression or a return to, Hey, the, the need to get all this information in their heads, especially in a, a rapidly changing world, all this information we're cramming in their heads is going to be obsolete <laughs> in the right. not too distant future. We need students right. 
who are learned enough, educated enough to handle for themselves whatever it is they need to gain. And the old term for that, in my opinion, what's the liberal arts? And and I, I don't have right. time to unpack that in, in this particular podcast, but uh, I know that down the future, uh, knowing you as I do, we're, we're going to talk a lot about the nature of these seven liberal arts and, and why they're not a waste of time, as many people are, are saying these days, but rather the, the hope for the future because the, the, the seven liberal arts embody the skills or the arts, the, the abilities that a, that a learner needs to deal with words and to deal with number, to, to deal not just with the humanities. Sometimes they get that, that knock that they're just, the seven liberal arts are for the humanities. Well, well, four of the seven are for the sciences. The quadrivium is, is, is the world of number and <laughs> right. science and material things. So um, it, it gets me excited because I, something that I've always felt should be at the forefront of education is, is coming there. Um, and, and there's, you know, lots of things that are factors in that. Uh, I think we live in a, in a time of maybe the greatest moment of individualism, for better or for worse. But I think that that's producing a restlessness in my current students against the status quo. They've heard from their parents and from their older siblings that school is is like X, and they're saying, "Well, I X sounds boring <laughs> and uh, tedious and full right. of little dots I've got to fill in." And and I would like why, where I'm able to use this technology to break out of that old mold. And uh, I think that this is going to demand higher, deeper, more liberated arts uh, from a school experience than maybe the past few generations have gotten from. Yeah. I want to, I want to kind of reiterate or, or come back to two things you said. Um, first of all, what you mentioned um, about sort of the change in education. You were talking about how your mom was a teacher and they come up with all of these um, worksheets or whatever uh, to try to deal with um, having a vastly increased class size. That reminded me or, or maybe brought to light that the, the question that we're asking in some ways really isn't new. I mean, this this idea of how do we use technology to educate to the best of our abilities? That's what they were doing then. You know, um, all of a sudden they have doubled the class size or close to it. And they used the technology, which then was worksheets or, or that sort of thing, um, disposables, right? They use that to solve the problem. And so we're doing the same thing, you know, um, we're, we're in an educational atmosphere that is the ground is moving beneath our feet in, in some ways. So it's really, we're doing what educators have always done, right? And technology shouldn't be, um, excluded from that. I, I think that's, that's really important and, and it's a, it's a good thing. The other thing that I wanted to say was, um, I'm not exactly sure the context that you used it in, but you said something 
um, for better or worse, oh, we're, we're the most individual we've ever been, right? Uh, for better or worse. And I think what we're going to find, especially as new forms um, of education are available, is a lot of these things are for better and for worse. You know, that the, the teachers who are the best um, will use or ought to use these new tools to the greatest effect. Um, and, but at the same time, just like when rhetoric was new, we will see those who misuse the tool for their own gain rather than for the um, building up of their own students. So, yeah, it's an interesting situation we found ourselves in, but um, I agree. The, the new generation um, is asking questions and they're good questions, a lot of them. And they're giving answers to some of the old guard's questions that the old guard probably doesn't want to hear, but, but needs to hear. Um, anyone who says that school is not boring, that school is never boring, they just haven't been to school in a while. I mean, <laughs> there are times when it just is. Um, and I don't know that that's anybody's fault. Um, and I'm not going to say that school or learning or childhood should never be boring. I think uh, I, I learned some good lessons uh, when I was bored, but we better be careful about how much yep. we are um, boring students or how much we are entertaining them. You know, I think the, the, the other side of that is, well, it's all entertainment. The kids always have fun. So school must be awesome. Uh, I, yeah. I disagree. Right. And I see trends today. I've, I've had this thing pop up. I don't know how many times now on Facebook because Facebook, aligns itself to your searches and your uh, activity on the internet. And so I, as an educator, I do quite a bit with education and it perceives that and wants to sell me this uh, program. I don't even remember the name of it, but, it, but it's attempting to make class like uh, Minecraft. Uh, the, you know, basically class can be a video game and Oh boy. We don't have time today to, to, to fill that out, but but this notion of uh, gaming school, uh, I'm all for school, for learning to be fun. I'm right there with Chesterton. There are no boring things in this world, only bored people. I think technology can certainly be used in a manner that engages right. the mind and gets students, quote-unquote, you know, awake and learning, uh, but your use of the term entertainment or perhaps the even more pregnant term amusement, which when broken down to, to, to muse is to think, and that's a good thing, but you put the negative sure. A on the front of it and it suddenly means the state of not thinking. We build parks to this in America today. 
Um, I think there's a place for vegging out. I'm not against amusement parks, but school yeah. should somehow or another be engaging in the opposite way <laughs> that amusement parks, which which have their fair amount of boredom as well. Those lines that you wait in right. to ride the three-minute ride. Um, if you're with friends, it goes quickly. Uh, if you're just standing there waiting... Um, Right. You know, somebody once described for me his experience in college, in a, in a large state college, as, as a DMV with books. He felt like he spent the, the vast majority of his school career, yeah. uh, you know, sitting in seats waiting for him to call his number and then answer a few questions correctly and you got your license. Um, that's not education. <laughs> that's, that's not education. And we've... Yeah. Uh, Whatever it is, it's not that. We've done it. Uh, we've run ourselves right out of time talking about, I think, an interesting question that probably has a lot more behind it still to come. But um, it's been fun talking with you. Jason, you want to have the last word for us today? Ooh, that's pressure I'm not sure I was ready for. But, yeah, <laughs> um, Steve, it's been, it's been great, man, talking with you. We've got, we've got more fodder. In the pipe, I don't know where fodder even goes, but um, we've got more fodder coming at us here. We can pick this conversation up next time. But uh, yeah, man, this was this was fun. Thanks. We'll do it again soon. All right. Until next time. Well, thanks again for joining us in this great conversation about education. We hope you will not just listen but participate. Leave us a comment, suggestion, or thought on our website just never know when we'll use it on the show. Until next time, pursue joy and learn something.